This podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest, easiest, and safest way to bet on all things sports. With March Madness, the Masters, and Major League Opening Day right around the corner, it's my favorite time of the year. And Bet Online has all the latest news, scores, and odds to help you win big. The best part you receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Head on over to betonline.ag and use our promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your literal free money. Plus, signing up is a great way to support the podcast you're listening to right now. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, when you sign up at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. My son played the video games well enough to know what's going on. He trades a lot of people on his team. So we it'll be all good. We already prepared for whatever happens. You know, like I said, we always love to be here in the Detroit, man, finish my career here. But you know, if it don't, man, we we on to the next road. We ready. Hello and welcome to episode 31, the Reggie Miller number episode, one of two numbers I always tried to wear in sports growing up, along with number 35 of the Michael Rothstein Show. I'm your host, Michael Rothstein, and it's Combine Week. I know, I know, super exciting. The entire NFL, or most of it anyway, will descend on Indianapolis starting today for about a week. Bars will be packed, restaurants will have weights, St. Elmo's will probably serve, I don't know, few thousand shrimp cocktails and probably a few thousand steaks. Plus, there will be the added focus of negotiations and meetings trying to hammer out a new collective bargaining agreement between the NFL and NFLPA, another part of what will be likely a news-filled week across the league. And understand that even though teams aren't technically allowed to talk with reps of free agents until the legal tampering period next month, Make no mistake that many conversations happen in Indianapolis that will shape the immediate and long-term futures of NFL franchises, including the Lions. It's like that year over year and something fans usually don't get to see. We'll have more about the Combine and about some other stuff that has happened with the Lions later on in the show. And usually I know we have a pod bag and we hit a whole bunch of questions that you have on these Monday podcasts, but we're going to flip it this week. We're going to cover some of that on Thursday because we have a guest today, and it is somebody who has been in the news a lot lately with the Detroit Lions. He is somebody you're going to know. It is cornerback Darius Slay, and we get into a lot during our about 40-minute conversation. We talk about, obviously, the trade rumors out there, whether or not he wants to still be in Detroit, how he handles that with his family. We also get into his time with the Lions, who's maybe talked the most trash to him in his career, who the toughest cover he has as a cornerback when it comes to wide receivers. And we get into even some deeper stuff too, like how he dealt with becoming a father as a teenager and how that changed him and shaped him and how the life for his oldest son, Darian, and all of his kids now is so much different than when he grew up. It's a fascinating conversation. It's one I'm glad that Darius was willing to have on this show, and it's coming up in just a few seconds. 
My guest on the Michael Rothstein Show today is one of the Detroit Lions' best players over the past decade or so. He is someone who is very well-versed in the community and someone who you clearly will know. Darius Slay, welcome to the show. What's up, what's up? So let's just jump right in here because, I mean, if anyone follows you on Twitter, if they follow you on Instagram, and you and I have always talked about your off-season stuff, you went to go see Amani Bates play recently. And for those who don't know, Amani Bates is one of the best high school basketball players in the country. People are comparing him to LeBron and Durant and all of that. What was that like going to see him play? Let's just oh, jump good, in right man. there. <laughs> good, good, man. The kid is actually... Six eight for real, and, and 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 tall and linky, just like Katie. And uh, I only saw him twice, but that was my cl- first time seeing him close up. The first time I saw him was kind of far away during the game. I was kind of ducked off, but this one I got right up there, right up in it. Uh, and he he had a silent forty, like just how Katie be killing people quietly, same way he was doing. So uh, he's a he's a very talented kid, man. Um, a lot of uh, he got a lot of upsides for him, man. He could be a very very special kid. Did you talk to him much yet? Because I know you and I have talked about, like, you guys have – you have relationships with whether it's Donovan Peoples-Jones or Rocket Watts. Like, have you started to build that right. with him as well? Or uh, Not really. You know what I'm saying? I just want to go check him out, you know. Uh, he didn't know I was coming probably. But, uh, yeah, I just want to go check him out and just uh, see, what, see what all the hype about uh, again. You know, I knew he was a talented player, but I wanted to see it close up in person. So what's your offseason been like so far? Uh, shoot, just chilling, man. Um, shoot, hanging with the kids, streaming, you know, doing a lot of uh, pubbing, PUBG, video game, kicking it with the family, you know, so not much. Same, same old same, really. I was just say, I remember when we were talking back in like November and December, you said you were going to start a Twitch channel for maybe 2K and for PUBG. Has that happened? Like, how's that been going? Yeah, that's been going great. I've been having a killer time. I just had a giveaway yesterday. So uh, it's been good. So, I mean, obviously, when we're talking about the offseason, there is your future as well, which has been a big part of the offseason talks around the NFL. Where do you stand with kind of the conversations that have been happening around you, around your career, around whether you're even going to be here in three weeks? Oh, shoot. No, not really, really. uh, You know, they'll just doubt it was being said. uh, But, you know, you you see the stuff on the Internet, but. You know, ain't nothing really been, like, deeply talked into or nothing about it. Just like, you know, I just think everybody kind of, like, open it for everything. <laughs> that Which kid of that is yours in the background? Oh, it's my daughter. Okay, that's it. <laughs> so, like you said, I mean, it hasn't been too deep. Is that, like, is just Drew not telling you a lot of stuff? Or, like, have you guys not maybe had as serious of conversations as people think? I mean, honestly, uh, I mean... They open for it, so uh, they probably is having serious talk. Probably they just got to get the right, I guess I'm guessing just whatever the, the right cost, you know what I'm saying, and then it can happen, well, whatever happens. But, you know, uh, that's the only thing I could get from it, really. You know, if they get the right price for it, they'll probably most likely do it. Is this different for you now that's the off season for because obviously it was brought up so much in season, right? Like right around the deadline. Right. Like, is it different in the off season when you don't have the week to week of football and you're not around your teammates? Does that feel different when they're when it's talked about now versus then? No, I don't feel no different. I feel the same. I uh shoot. I ain't care then, I ain't gonna care now. 
<laughs> hey, I, yeah, I just didn't know if, like, all of a sudden, like, with more time on your hands, you know, if it felt like you're like, oh, I can, I think about it more, or like, I don't, or like, it, whatever happens, happens, or or something yeah. like that. Yeah, whatever happens, happens. You know, I'm, I'm here to play ball. Yeah. What do you want out of a new contract? Huh? What What do you want out of a new contract? Because there's been a lot of rumors out there. I know you've talked a little bit on social media, but you haven't really actually talked about it. What is it that you would like out of a new deal? Uh, I'll let my I'll let my agents and all that kind of have that kind of stuff. But uh, you know, uh, they know uh, I know they know the worth uh, what it is with me. So uh, you know, so I just let them kind of handle that. You know, I'll be trying to chill. You know, but uh, you know, if I don't feel like it's the worth, well, I think it is, and I don't take it. Right. I mean, do you have a gut feeling of what you think might happen? Uh, I mean, not really. But like I said, I ain't really worried about that because yeah. it's not even a gut feeling because only a gut feeling comes when you're scared of something. I ain't scared of nothing. So uh, I'm going to be great, grade eight. So anywhere I be. But uh, yeah, it's just shoot, it's whatever happens, really. Is it is there a message you want fans because you know fans get emotional about this stuff like you, you yeah know, you, like, like really is there a message you want fans to know about all of this like and and oh man fans is just worried about you know I know the fans is you know I love the fans the fans definitely Detroit fan man they the some of the best fan bases I've been around you know you, you got your you got your bad ones you got your ones that you know that's that but you got they have big time supporters though so I, I appreciate all the support that's why I do for, what I do in the community. Go out there, have fun, um, take pictures all the day with kids, they kids, people, fans, all that. Uh, but they sh- they should be uh, you know, it's all it's a it's a business. So uh, you just need to look at the business aspect of it. Uh, if it was up to me, I'd love to be here for, uh, my whole career. But uh, one thing one thing about a lot of stuff come first uh, is my family. So uh, I'll do what's best for my family for the first and um, try to put my family in a great position to never have to uh, want for nothing. So that's my goal. And, you know, if that's being here, then I'm here. If it ain't, then I ain't. How often do fans, when you're out at high school games, at college games, how often do they ask you about this stuff or bring bring up? <laughs> All the time. But, uh, it's it, it, you know, I just tell them, man, you know, they, they, they always going to be a slave. Man. I hope you don't get traded, man. you the best. Da, 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 da. I say, you know, man, we'll see how it go. That's all I hit them with. Man. And uh, with a smile on my face and keep it, keep it moving. <laughs> so... Go, going away from the trade talk a little bit to kind of what what I'm just kind of you and I have talked so much over the years and I don't know if I've ever really asked you this question. Who's the toughest receiver for you to cover? Oh man, the toughest one for me to cover was a uh, uh, shoot Devonte Adams. Me and but just because we've been we got a good history, uh, we've been going at each other for a long, 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 long time, and you know a lot of guys only face like once. Maybe twice sometimes, you know, if I'm at that. But a uh, guy like Devontae, I've been going against him for a long, long time. He just like Keenan Allen. So uh, I have them guys that just kind of like tough to go with. You know, me and Diggs from uh, me and Diggs had a lot of great battles. But uh, I'm saying Devontae Allen uh, is like the best receiver in our division. So uh, I've been going against him for a good bit. What makes him such a difficult cover? Is it just that he knows you and you know him, or is it more to it than that? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a little, it's a little, it's a little something like that. You know, we know each other. No, uh, he know what I like to do. He know what I'm great at. I know what he like to do. He great at, and we find 
and you can tell that we find any little small details to win. So uh, it's not just being talent on talent. We're beating each other with some some type of technique. He's using different, you know, different type of release he's giving, uh, or I'm using a different type of press technique or whatever. And I'm um, just trying to figure little details out to win the battle. But, uh, you know, we keep going back and forth, you know. So, uh, like, he, he he's very, very talented. Is there is what's that like when you go against somebody eight, nine, ten, eleven, I guess twelve times in your career? Is there does there become this mutual respect? Do you actually become friendly with the guy? Like is there, yeah, is there uh, more of a connection there? I'm got I got nothing but more nothing but respect for all my all the guys I ever went against. Uh you know, I don't go in there with the with the uh, trash talking, down playing, you know what I'm saying, this, saying that, but to any player I go against, because uh, I go against most of the best. And I give my all respect to all the best ones. So uh, so it's always be neutral. It's always a neutral friendship. Uh, me and Tay, we're real close. We're not real, real close, but we're close enough to like, what's up? What's good? We got each other numbers. Uh, you know, one thing we probably won't do is probably work out together till we leave them somewhere else. So I won't teach them all my moves. But <laughs> But other than that, you know, uh, we we pretty tight, man. I don't I don't got no um, nothing against nobody in the league. I love competing. I love going to get the best. Uh, so it's never gonna be like a a, a beef thing. It's more gonna be like uh, help each other get better. You you mentioned like obviously you would never necessarily train with him. Are there NFL receivers you're training with now? Maybe guys who are in the AFC or or at least not in the NFC North that you actually work with. Uh, not really. I really work out with a lot of DBs, but if I would like to train, I'd like to train with Keenan Allen just because of the fact that it helped me with uh, Devontae. So that's the only thing, anything else. And um, so, uh, but I ain't really trained with too many receivers, you know, unless it's somebody uh, that's at the facility that I'd be at in Houston. And uh, that's that we can probably get some work in. But other than that, uh, I don't really train. I ain't never really trained with a receiver. Have you ever asked Mar- because Marv and Keenan Allen are close? Like, have you ever asked Marv about that? Like, have you been like, "Hey, man, like, would Keenan work with me?" Like, have you guys ever had that conversation? No, not really. You know, like I said, because I knew I the uh, the reason I was I almost did last year, but I forgot we played him, so I had to wait. So I like, oh no, I can't ask him this year. Then he gonna know what I'm gonna be doing. So I had to, uh, I gotta wait. So uh, probably this year, you know, we could probably link it up. You know, so. That'd be good. You you mentioned trash talk before that you don't necessarily talk a lot of trash other than maybe the finger wag, which isn't talking. Who is the best trash talker you've ever faced? I mean, uh, the best trash talker I ever had faced was uh, I mean, Dez. So that that was like my year year two in the league. So after that, I never had talked to nobody like that because um, like I said, I'm just chill, quiet, make a play, wave a finger. I ain't gonna, I never like you know talk to somebody after making a play. I just make the play and then wear my thing and go about the next one. So uh, I never really had nobody just ever, ever talk trash to me but Dez Bryant. And so, yeah, so that was the only one. Other than that, I ain't had that. What What did Dez say to you? Was it getting ridiculous or was it just like stupid stuff or what? Oh, man, to my Dez? Yeah. Oh, man, Dez uh, got mad because uh, one play I had quick jammed him real hard and, and he failed. And uh, he got up, and I was because that's uh that's the game Rasheen Matthews got hurt, and that's when I actually kind of like started traveling with receivers, so I had to follow him, and um, man, and I was just jamming him up, beating him up real pretty good, and then um, then one time I got him real good, just knocked him on the ground, he got up and like got hot, 
and started spitting everywhere. I said, bro, I can't be spitting on me like that. And he gave me, you know, the F-bomb, F-U-B-I-D, I do you like I did you uh, your rookie year with number 30 on. I said, oh, dang, he remember that. I said, oh, Lord, I couldn't believe it. So I had to get my, I had to get my mind right. So I started talking a little trash to him just because, you know, he felt like uh, he could just, I know, disrespect me in that kind of way. But it was all love after the game, though. But it was a little battle. Is that the only time you will talk? Will you talk if someone goes at you first? Or yeah, you just yeah, not, not even then? I mean, most, I mean, if you look at it, like, a lot of times that uh, I kind of win a lot of battles. So it's kind of hard to keep talking when you a lot of people lose it. But, you know, so most part, winning a good bit of them, you know, for the majority of them. So uh, it's hard to kind of talk. But if they did, you know, it depends on how, how I felt and how did it uh, disrespect me enough for me to say something like that. You know, some people be like, yeah, like, you know, I don't care about this. Yeah, yeah, and getting loud and clapping. Yeah, yeah, you made a play. Oh, well, next play, you know, uh, plenty of game left. But if you come, come disrespectful, yeah, I got, I, I have a lot to say. What's what's the weirdest thing that's ever happened to you on a football field? Maybe not even in the NFL, but we were just like, wait, what? Like, huh? Like, what the heck just happened here? Uh, what are you not? It really was not weird. So, uh, what was weird was in the preseason game, uh, we when machine was here, uh, we made a bet, and uh, we do like random push up, like yeah, well, like if you lose the bet, you probably like give you a random ten or twenty on how many you got. So uh, during the game, during the preseason game, I had made a play. And, you know, I think it was like third and like 10 or something like that. She made me hit like three push-ups on the field. She's like, give me my three. In the middle of the game, I said, oh, no. Like, uh, so I had to hit three push-ups in the middle of the field. That was like the weirdest thing I thought because I was like in the whole serious mode. He's like, nah, you need to give me three on. But it was a preseason game, though, so it was cool. <laughs> was that your rookie year or was that your second year? <laughs> that was my uh, 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 second year. Second year. Mm-hmm. Have you thought about doing that to guys since, like, like with Amani this year? Did you ever think about like kind of messing with him, knowing he would screw up to kind of get him to do that? Oh no, I can't get him to do that. He get it's a different type of lifestyle now. I can't get him like that because, uh, you know, uh, it's a different type of yeah, different way, different type of style. Now, no, he get he get way more trouble doing that than uh <laughs> than me just you know having a little fun. But no, 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 he can't do it. <laughs> is that is that because of the current coaching staff versus the old coaching staff or something else? Yeah, that's totally yeah yeah they totally different you know that's totally different yeah Caldwell probably laughed man Patricia ain't laughing with that he said what is he doing he might he might get in trouble just because he's a young buck you know so you know coaches always a little rough on young guys you know they gotta get, teach them the game and and uh, take it a little more serious so I wouldn't do it to him. What did what did you maybe learn the most from Caldwell? Because you were so well, I guess and Schwartz too. Like you were such a young player when those two guys were here. Like what did you learn through them that maybe people don't realize? Oh uh, man, like Caldwell taught us a lesson almost every day. And you know, it was always not about football, and that was the best part about it, just because of the fact that you know he knew this this football don't last long. It's a game. Uh, he wanted us to enjoy it and just have fun, you know, and but but play hard as you can. So that's why a lot of guys played. You know, love Caldwell. He was just a genuine lover guy. Uh, taught us everything, man. Taught me like a uh, life being man. You know, he uh, he always talked about the Lord. Um, and you know, I can remember the time he was, uh, you know, he was going through this process of uh, hearing that he was going to be fired. Type mess. He was just like, hey, y'all worry about the wrong things. You know, uh, I'm great. Um, I'm situated, my family's good, 
he like, I'm not, you know, I'm not worried. It's just, you know, I love coaching y'all. You know, if I ain't, you know, we always be, you know, he basically say, we, I'm always a call away. And, you know, for somebody like that, that's a great feeling to hear. And, you know, he treated all of us like, like we were just kind of like, not kids, but as a little, like, grown man that he just loved and uh, loved being around. You, you mentioned that he had gone through the, like, whether he was going to be fired or not multiple times while he was yeah. here. When, when, when did he say that to you? And, like, was that – or did he say that every time it came up? Nah, he did. He had thing about it. He addressed it the one time because a lot of guys was in the locker room just talking about it, you know. A lot of guys was just uh, – the media was coming up. How you feel if Carwell happened? This happened to Carwell. That happened to Carwell. So he's seen that we was getting a lot of questions about it, and he just directly answered it you know, to us in the TV and just like, man, guys, I appreciate the love y'all giving me, but, you know, y'all got to talk about that. I'm, I'm going to be great, you know. Like, he like, I'm I'm set for life, and, you know, his kids, his grandkids and everything. So he was just like letting us know, like, he good and good hands. Have you talked to him much since he left? Uh, last time I talked to him was uh, the time he got sick in Miami, you know, where he had reached out. His, and uh, so, but uh, I just sent the video to his uh, his grandson. His grandson was one of my biggest fans. His grandson uh, always wore my jersey at games and always let a uh, slave thing away. So I had sent him a video of me just telling him, uh, what's up, man? Uh, I hope you're doing good or stuff like that in school and everything and gave him a little thing away. So he was just, he was loving it. So uh, <laughs> that's my little, <laughs> yeah, so he could, uh, yeah, so Kawa, you know, he is everything. So it was cool. Well, that was the last time I talked to him, though, just checked on about the, the health addiction and stuff. What, what's your relationship? Because I think a lot of people are curious about this, especially after everything that happened in October. What's your relationship like with, with Matt Patricia? Uh, it was cool. We just, you know, uh, we just work. That's basically, you know what I'm saying? So it is what it is with us, but we just, uh, we both got a, I got it, baby. We both just, uh, just trying to win, find a way to win. So that's the that's the biggest thing. So that's all it's all about. So I mean, it's you have a relationship with him, right? Because I think there's some people who think you don't at all. I mean, we we good. You know, it's not no, it's not a, it's not no hatred thing or nothing like that. You know, a lot of that stuff got to do with like, you know, with the business aspect and just the game. But uh, I don't never. I don't hate, I don't, I don't mean, I don't hate no one. So, you know, I don't, I ain't gonna say he hate me either. So, but, uh, you know, we just got the same desires to win and a lot of stuff, you know, how I am, uh, you know, he's just who he is. So it is, that is what it is really name really much, but. You, you've been in Detroit for a while. What do you think it would mean for this city to actually win consistently? Because, I mean, that's just something that, you know, you've been open about, too. It just hasn't really happened. I mean, well, I mean, sure. It'd be good, sure. I know the times we was winning, yeah, sure. It was, it was a great feeling, you know. Uh, the city was loving it, you know. Uh, sure. I was I was loving it. So, uh, I, I, got the, I got the taste of it. So, uh, we're just trying to make it, like, you know, every year thing. What do you think you needs to happen? Where do you think that you guys need to maybe improve or or kind of get to? What do you maybe need to get to that level where it can happen consistently? We just gotta. We just all gotta just. We all gotta just do better. That's just it, you know. So you know, from from the players to the coaching staff to everybody, we just gotta do better. Uh, so 
the guys on the field really got to make more plays, uh, and the coaches got to help us make more plays, put us in a position to help make plays. So it's all it's all one thing. So we just got to all put it together, just go, you know. So we'll just uh just not making enough plays. That's it. To my my just my knowledge is like you know we all wasn't making enough to help win, you know, because we was doing enough to have close games, but we weren't making enough plays at the end to win. So that's it. So it's just all about who all us got to make more plays. Have you watched much of Jeffrey Okuda? I mean, because that's obviously a guy right now that's being mocked a lot to the Lions. And if you are here you and they take him, you would be playing with him. What do you think of Okuda from what you've seen from him? He's a uh, talented player, man. You can see his, uh, his work. His, uh, you know, he, he, he's an aggressive corner, man. He, he uh, played ball, man. You can see a smart guy, tall, lanky. Uh, I'm, ready, I'm ready to see how fast he is because that's going to really – be the difference maker for a lot of folks. Like you know, he already already um, considered the best DB in the um, in the draft. So when he even run good, it go, he go blow it all away, uh, blow the draft away. You know, so that's probably where a lot of people got a question on him because he's so good at the line that he don't probably never see his true speed. So a lot of guys want to see his long winning speed because I see that he plays the boundary. You know, and, uh, and the boundary in the in the in college is just a small area, so your speed do not see you don't see your speed a lot. In the boundary and um, in college, so but uh, well, you know, in the league is all field. The field, both sides of the fields are big, so that's gonna really show how fast you is. So that'll be the question probably on his on him right now is how fast he really is. What would a secondary with you and him be like? Uh, I mean, you know, uh, it'll be it will be shoot. I mean, it'll be great, you know. So uh, you know, I ain't having no hopes of big nuts so far. I think it would be great with anybody that's in the room right now. But, you know, adding, to, adding him to the team, I mean, I'm quite sure that probably wouldn't be a bad idea. So whoever, he, whoever you know, is to the team, I'm sure they're going to draft for just to, to increase us and make us a better team. But, uh, you know, if it's him and he's in the room with us, uh, we go just make our room a lot better than what it is already. You mentioned – obviously, we're talking a little bit about the Combine. Do you remember your Combine experience? What was – it was almost – you know, it was eight – or so years ago, but what yeah. what was that like for you since it's Combine Week now? Like, what do you remember from that? Like, what were your emotions going into it? What was all of that? I mean, the emotion was just too many doggone meetings, tiring me out, trying to tire me out. So I guess that's a strategy they use now. So I'm trying to tire kids out all during the day, then wake up, they have you doing meetings all the way to 1 o'clock at night, then wake you up at 7 o'clock to try to run a 40 and, and do backpillowing drills and all that kind of crazy mess. That was fabulous. If I could do it all over, I wouldn't go. I just have a pro day. <laughs> really? Yeah, man. They were, they be trying to. That was. They, I heard they changed it up. The, 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 how it's done now. They, I heard it's better for the players now. But back then, they just had this like made it seem like you just kind of like had you in a see how tired you is or whatever, whatever. Because my last meeting was about twelve thirty, and I had to be up by seven. To get, get, yeah, man, I'm like, man, what? I got to rest up. You know, this is one of my life-changing thing, and I'm going to be – I ain't trying to be dead tired. So, uh, trying to do the best thing for the interview. What was the most interesting thing about it? Like, was there questions that you got in the interviews? Was there, you know, a guy, like, that you were rooming with? Like, what was that like? Uh, it was all cool. Though. It was just uh, – it was a lot of just, you know, questions. I had, a, I had the same questions – for the longest, uh, every every draft every draft meeting I went into, draft board I went to, they was just asking me, Slate, can you run? Slate, can you run? Slate, can you run? Slate, 
hang around. I'm like, yeah, I can learn. I'm like, what's going on? And Ayo hey, asked the same question. Then they kept asking me, um, you know, because I jumped on the board pretty fast. And um, I only played one year uh, SEC ball. So everybody just kind of – I had a lot of ups and downs and how to, a lot of just, you know, if he going to be a bus or this, a bus or that. So uh, it was kind of just, you know, annoying. But it was all good, though. It was still fun. Do you feel like you answered those questions at that combine? Like you said, can you run, can you run? And clearly, yeah. you're one of the fastest corners in the league. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about no can I run. Like, what is y'all looking at? And, uh, <laughs> can I run? But, uh, yeah, so that was easy. I, when they asked me, tell me I cannot run, I said I already know that I'm going to have a good day then because they were about to be running. That's going to be the easy thing. I dare. I run for a living. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was going to be the easy part. I like, hey, what? I, I run. I run for days. That's the easy part. You can ask me something else. When did you realize you might be an NFL player? Like, when did that uh, really hit you? I mean, I, I kind of, I ain't, I always, I ain't going to say, I, I realized it more like when I got to college, but I always, you know, like always, all the kids I grew in the world do this dream about it, you know, and had a, but I kind of always feeling like I had a feeling to, to do it, to be there, because I was, real talented as a kid. So I was like, man, you know, it's it's destined and uh and I had a lot of great leadership around me growing up. So uh I had a high school coach that just told me, you know, you just put the work in and the work go uh pay off. And uh that's all I was going off of as a kid. And when I got into college, same thing I was doing. And it just always paid off. I, I remember back in August when we were talking about Brunswick and when I wrote about Brunswick, Georgia and you and Tracy and, and Justin, you you had said that like you really hadn't met anybody. You didn't know NFL players. You didn't even maybe know a ton of college players at that point. How did you, how did you kind of shape and mold yourself then while you were in high school to kind of turn into what you've turned into? Uh, my high school coach helped me. Uh, I, um, he kind of groomed me up, just told me. Um, he just came from another school that signed up a whole bunch of D1 kids. And he just, and uh, he came to me and uh, told me what it takes to get to that level. And uh, that, uh and told me he was one of the best players he ever coached. So I'm like, man, you know, I, you know, you know, as a kid, you be like, man, he probably told all the kids that, you know, all his talented kids he had at that. But uh, he's a different type of level with me. Like he told me, like, man, you are a very, very special kid. Like, um, so uh, he just taught that, preached in that every day, and um, and he just grew me up pretty good, man. He did a great job with me. When, when, when he first tells you that, like, when do you start believing it? I mean, I was already considered like the best person on the team in school already, but uh, where I'm from is just like you know it was just kind of hard to get to that level because uh, it was a small, it wasn't really considered a small town, but it was a small town in Georgia. So um, everybody just like man, you know, people don't go to school, people just that, and this and that, and that and that. So uh, you know, so I just listened to a lot of rumors, and you know, everybody just played the sport just to play it. But then uh, he came along and. Um, and showed me a whole different picture and a whole different path. And so I just started believing as what he was telling me, and I executed it pretty well. Do you think you'd be where you are now if if he hadn't been there? Uh, I mean, um, I probably would have got to school, but the, the fact that uh, he stayed on me while I was in school made it even better. You know, I, I couldn't say if uh, my other high school coach before him would have did the same because, you know, different was uh, but. I knew for a fact that when he was coaching me and teaching me stuff, that he genuinely like cared about me and cared about my uh, well-being, and he cared for me to be uh, very, very successful. And um, and that's all he wanted to do is see him successful. He called me every week while I was in college. 
uh, just letting making sure I'm on my stuff and um like and I gave him a clear update. He got he stayed in contact with my coaches like he just like like a parent. So um uh I couldn't say like you know I probably still have been grinding hard and trying to get to where I was, but he made it. I'm, I'm sure he made it like quite easy. Besides my kid, my son I had in high school, he made it easier for me, you know. So uh, he gave me hope, gave me more motivation, and um, and that's how I got here. What did that? You mentioned you have you know you had your oldest son in high school. What what was that? I I would I have no idea what that would be like. Like what would that? What what was that like? All of a sudden you're 15, 16 years old, and you're like. I'm like a junior in high school. I've got a kid and I'm trying to get to college and try to play football. Like, how do you process that as a teenager? Sure. Uh, yeah. You kind of almost don't. Like, I'm just like, man, this can't be serious. But, uh, uh, it is. Uh, so I had, uh, you know, I had to do my part as a parent. Uh, shoot. I was, I was trying to find ways, a lot of stuff I couldn't do as a kid that I know kid could do. Cause I had to stay home, watch kid, uh, so uh, but I had a good mom, man. His mom helped out a little bit. My mom did a lot. Uh, so um, we found a way, though. That's the good part about it. Uh, he ain't got a word. No, I ain't got a word of him. He ain't got a word of him. So uh, we all in good hands. <laughs> did that? Did that give you? I mean, this might. This seems like a cliche and maybe like an obvious answer. But did that motivate you more? Did that kind of keep you focused when maybe? You know, like, because you and I have talked about, and when I talked to the other guys from Brunswick, like, there are so many guys that don't get out of Brunswick. Did that almost right. stay in your head of, like, I can't go mess around because I have this responsibility that is counting on me? Yeah, yeah, big. Because a lot of people, there's a lot of people back in my hometown wanted you to be a, uh, you know, just be just to fail, you know, because everybody don't want to keep succeeding. But, um, so, uh it would be, be tough, you know. I, that was my goal. I did not want to go back to Brunswick, you know. I didn't want to be a kid that went off to school and um, had to come back to Brunswick because he, like, you know, ain't do, do, his, do what he's supposed to do because everybody had been just laughing and saying, I told you so, this and that and this and that. So uh, I, I had to, I, I could not have that happen, and, uh, and, I, and I ain't wanted that. And I ain't wanted that. So it's good. Now, now I go back to the school. Now I go back to the city. It's just all love, support. Uh, lot for the community everybody be like man there's doing a lot for the community so that's why i want to be remembered not a guy that just kind of went to school and came back and not did what he was that done do, when you talk do you talk to your son much about that now because obviously he's living a much different life yeah. than you did yeah yeah much different he's living a, a great great one boy he getting everything everything else but he don't get whipping so that's first you know i have to get my body to up <laughs> Uh, but uh, he 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 living a different type of life, man. I, t- I you know I tell him how I was, and you know and tell him how blessed he is and how uh, fortunate he is to be living this type of lifestyle. Cause I wasn't living it. And it, wasn't, it I won't say it was not like the best, but it wasn't just like great great either. My mom did what she had to do to get it done, but uh, my son just he really he get up in the morning and said, "Dad, man, I want Xbox. All right, man, let's go get one." And you know I couldn't do that in my time. <laughs> so, but uh, so him that so I had to you know let him know like you're in a good position, son. So, but uh, I also tell him like you know this is what I did for you. So when you get older and get grown, you didn't know you got to do for your kids. So, uh, cause uh, I ain't gonna take care of you forever. <laughs> <laughs> what does Dar- Darian plays sports? Darian, your oldest son. Darian plays sports. Like, does 
what is he good? What's he play? Like, oh, do you see? Yeah, he's good. Yeah, he played basketball. You know, his first year of football coming up this year, uh, like tackle-wise. But, uh, yeah, he got his natural in him now. So, it's, it's a natural thing for him. What's it, what do you think is his best sport? Is he, do you think he can play basketball or do you think he's going to be a football he, player? He's going to be just like I was as a basketball player, you know. But he liked basketball more right now because that's the more he that's the one he played the most because uh, it's year round, so he played all year. So, uh, but uh, I, I honestly hope uh, I kind of want him to play football a little bit because I feel like you know, just how I was told as a kid, I was a big hooper. I used to love to hoop too a lot. Then you know, somebody stepped down like, you know, uh, there's you know you're not going to probably over six three. So uh, you know, take football a little more serious. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I, I you know I'm looking at my son so. You know, son, your daddy ain't always six foot. So, hey, I don't know how tall you going to be, but if you get tall, let's just see six foot. It's like continue trying to hoop. But if you ain't growing over six foot, so you might want to pick up a football. <laughs> so, we'll just see how it all playing out, though. Was there a concern about having him play football? Because I remember, like, when I talked to Rasheen back when he was with the Lions, he was like, I'm going to do everything I can, try to put my kid in every sport but football. And then, like, in high school, if he really wants to play, I'll let him. Like, yeah. Are you co- are you comfortable with him playing? And your your other son's playing football, or are you at on it? That's, I'm I'm comfortable now because my son's gonna be uh 13, so I'm comfortable with it now. But at that time when I was coming up in the league, she was preaching. Sheen and uh, GQ was preaching that to me, you know, because like what's crazy is that I was like the youngest one in the room, but I had the oldest son. So like, and I was the one that had the oldest parent. I was like the oldest parent in the room every year. Every DB room I've been in, I have the oldest son. So it's like I've been the parent the longest. But me being a kid, raising a kid, I still need it. I still need to guide it. So uh, I was never big on fat, like saying I'm the, I'm the only one with a kid, and I'm the oldest one with a kid. Like I know everything. So I just go to GQ, Sheen, and ask some questions. Like, man, what would you do in this situation? Because they had kids, but that kid wasn't older than mine. But so Sheen, the one kind of prepped me, talking like, man, you need to let your son, you know, wait out because you know we take a lot of concussions hitting each other. You don't want your son having them kind of headaches going in this because, you know, a lot of coaches ain't teaching kids how to tackle properly and stuff like that. So I took that into consideration and I just waited, you know, put a little flag, flag, flag football and um, see what's up from there. But um, but now he kind of, he's 13 years old. He should be, he's ready now because, you know, I can teach him the right way and everything. So it'll be all good. Is that part of, like, you, you kind of go back to what you do with the community. You host, like, random DB camps, receiver camps that you yeah. just will – post about is that part of why you do it because like you want to teach people the proper way to to tackle yeah, yeah. or to approach want, all of that yeah i want i want to for sure and um that's what i do it for you know i do it for because i'm a I, I love the youth man the youth is like you know i want to set the generation up good after i leave too because the fact that you know like like somebody was probably somebody did it to me told me i'd be the future of the uh of the youth coming up you know i want to let them know they could be the future of the youth coming up now and you could change things and um set the tone for the next youth under y'all so uh i do a lot of things so i just try to help kids you know you can ask me any kind of question i'm gonna keep it 1000 would you tell you the truth you know even you want to hear it or not i don't want to just because like what i was told nobody never lied to me and told me what was real so a lot of kids that kind of come work out maybe just either you know the ones I just be picking randomly, I don't want to be knowing. Someone got life stories just like I got, and I just want to see my life story that that uh, it could always be different, man. You don't have to live the life story that's, um, that you be seeing every day. You can make a you can, you can paint a whole different picture. When did you realize that? Uh, that's what I said. When I had a kid, uh, I had a responsibility, uh, so I saw that was going to be different already. And then um, 
And my high school coach, man, he preached to me every day, man. If you want to live that type of better life, this is what you need to do. This is what this and that and that. So, like I said, man, I just listened to it, bought into it, and um, and had to do what I had to do. And 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 what he, everything he said was right. And I'm living a lifestyle that uh, that a lot of people dreamed of. And uh, but like I said, he told me I had to put in a lot of work for it, and I did. And I'm gonna continue to keep doing it, on and off the field. So um, for him to for him to give me that kind of information, just just kind of like praise me and um, made me want to give out that information to other youth kids too. So. That's what I do it for, man. Like, it's just, like, I probably wasn't the kid guy when I was coming up. Like, I ain't, like, hanging around with other kids. Like, say, with my cousins or something. So, now the fact that I just go around and um, reaching out to young, young youth, going to see kids, going to see kids play, supporting them, uh, man, it makes me feel like a million thousand times better person than I was when I was 15. <laughs> <laughs> how, how many kids do you think that you've, in the Detroit area, do you think you've actually helped and interacted with? That you've made oh, a, a lot. I mean, I don't know if I, I ain't trying to. I don't know if I made a difference, but the fact that I probably me talking to him and meeting him and letting him know, like, man, you know, a lot of guys in the league really kind of like I don't want to say stuck up because you know I don't know everybody, but I know a lot of people talk bad about a lot of people. But you ask anybody about Darius Big Play, like, you not gonna hit no negative talk about him when when it comes to like fan wise. Because um, like I said, I support all the kids. Um. I host free camps. Like I don't it just be it just be a random day out the blue. I just wake up, probably like, man, I feel like working out some kids today. And I put it out on Twitter, give them my address, meet me here, and we go and we go work out and do and try to get better. Uh I reach out to kids. Um, you know, if I'm at a game and a kid has a great game at a uh at a high school game, I give him a great shout out. Like, man, you know, you played your off. Good good job, whatever, whatever. So uh I'm not one of them guys that just like stuck up, can't you can't come up and say nothing to or Da, 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 da. I'm I'm really just like a I, I live my life as a normal person, but you know I know my boundaries, but I still kind of do live my life as a normal person. I don't see myself as like a this this superstar dude like a lot of folks kind of see their stuff as. But um, I'm very I'm very humble. Was that important? Like, when did you realize that you wanted to make sure you still did that? Because, like you said, a lot of a lot of guys don't necessarily do that, especially when they hit the level you're at. All pro, yeah. pro bowler every year. When did you kind of say I still need to be that type of person? That yeah, has to be. Me. I mean, it's not. It's, I ain't it women. I have to be. It's just, it's just a DNA that's in me because uh, I'm just known for giving back, and I'm you know I'm I'm just known for just being a great person. And me not doing that, I already knew I wouldn't be a great person because that's not who I who I don't want to be. That means I'm just doing something as in like other people are doing like they want to do everybody want to be a lot of people want to be famous a lot of people want all that kind of attention and a lot of people want to be can be able to say no and then, and then like that i wouldn't like that like me telling the kid no so many like i know that kind of hurt me you know so i'm like telling kids no that much cause i got my own kids that's hard for me to tell them no now so telling a kid no for an autograph that or something like that or pictures that can like a change in life that can have for a memory forever kind of hard for me not to do that because like i said i wish i had some i ran into like a, a freaking um Champ Bailey and stuff like that. Cause when I when I first met Champ Bailey, at, at, when he came to Detroit for a workout, I I was year a year two guy. I'm like I'm still on here going crazy. Like this is my one of my childhood like superstars, and I'm right here in front of him. Be, might be on the same team as him. So I'm like, man, what? And I was still starstruck. And I just you know I wanted to ask for an autograph so bad, but you know, uh, <laughs> Machine said, man, you can't ask for an autograph right now. You he finna go work out. So I said, man, I ain't stressing this bad workout. I'll try to get an autograph. Freaking Champ Bailey <laughs> from folks in Georgia, like he 
this the crib. I was to see the dude play when I was young. What are you talking about? <laughs> did, do you, yeah, did, you, not, did you end up getting the autograph? Did you nah, man. I, let him, I, I gave him respect, you know, because I said, got to look at it as a business. He's doing this, trying to find a job to take care of his family, even though he was already set. And I was at the end of his career because he, he even played no more after that. When he did, I think he went to the Saints, and that was it. And we're done. Uh, but I'll tell you, you know what I'm saying? I gave him respect and new respect because she said, man, this man here for an interview, job interview, you know, to take care of him. I said, okay, cool. She, you right. You know, but I wasn't hearing him at first. I was just too hyped. I, like, I was excited. <laughs> was that the last time you were starstruck by an NFL player or, or anyone in general, or has that happened since? Uh, I was starstruck with uh, my third year in the league. We were uh, playing against Peyton Manning for the first time. Uh. He came to me after the game, cause I guess he heard I was talking about him a lot. And um, I just told him, man, I respect the heck out of you, man. You're my favorite quarterback of all time. You're the best quarterback of all time. I love you to death, man. I'm a Manny fan. I was just like, man, you know, he shook my hand. I wish he would have gave me that ball that was in his hand. But, um, you know, that was his last role. So, yeah, I guess he was, like, collecting balls for his ball to win that year or something like that. I don't know. But, man, I wanted the ball out of his hand and all. I wish I could pick him off. <laughs> uh, uh, well, you had to. I would say you almost had him twice that game. I know, man. I was disappointed in myself. I wish I had two more tries. <laughs> the, really, I think the the only time I've really seen you starstruck, at least the last few years, was was with Kobe. You know, because obviously I was oh, with you that yes. day. Yes, oh, yes, man. of course. You know that that's that's a different type of level of starstruck. There's nobody gonna never struck, starstruck me more than he did. You know, definitely seeing him come around that corner. And just saying my name, I'll never forget that day. Like, I can never, uh, man, like, I was, whew. You see, man, look here. I, look here. I, I went crazy. There's no, I was like, like a kid in, in multiple candy stores, not a candy store. We all was in multiple. Like, I was just surrounded by the candy stores. And my goodness, man, shouldn't come around there with that, with that grin. Man, I was like, man, I'm really finna touch this man's hand right now. He's finna sign my ball. Some on me, sign my jersey. Like nobody can't touch my jersey. I'm yeah, all kind of stuff. I have so many man. My game will be decorated in Kobe. What I was gonna say when obviously you're at the Pro Bowl when he when he when the helicopter crash happens. What's how do you, how do you process that? Because I you know you you and I have had so many conversations about him in the past. How do you process that? How do you kind of reconcile like holy? crap like my the guy i've looked up to is gone yeah man it was tough like i said man you know seeing on the seeing on the ticker and and believing it uh was very very tough for me like uh i almost didn't want to play you know because like i said he was a, he, he, he affected a lot of people in many ways that people probably never thought of um but you know uh tragically happened man to uh to him and his daughter and, and the rest of the people that was in there man uh it was tough on the definitely that a great day like so that'll be a day i can never forget because you know I'll, i'm actually celebrating one of my one of my achievements during the year uh at a pro bowl have fun with my family then that happened so it's like uh making to the pro bowl will be always fun but it'll go always in your flashback that one of my greatest players one of the greatest players in this generation and this world you know died on this day that i had uh you know did something for myself doing I work hard during the UFO. And um it's just gonna be like crazy, you know. Uh now it's gonna probably be a different type of aspect of uh, the approach to the game, you know. So football might be a lot more serious than it than it usually be just because of the fact that the man, you know, 
going and pass because they want to just pay their due respects to him. How, how did Kobe affect? How did Kobe affect you? How did he influence you? Just the, you know, like I said, I only met him once and uh, shook it, and so. Uh, but you can just always you see his demeanor, you see how he approached games, you see his 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 talks, his interviews, and you just just listen to his competitive nature and how he approached games. Just like, man, like that's how I want to be. And and every and everybody that love that's a Kobe fan that love Kobe, that's probably how they try to play the game most of the time. They just want to approach it at a high level, always go against the best. I want um want all the weight on his shoulders. That's why I love traveling because you know I I don't want the um. I, I like to be the fall on me all the time. You know, if I lose the game, I want to go against the best person every time. You know, if it's on me, it's on me. Let me lose it. You know what I'm saying? So that's what me got a lot of part of me following, traveling against the guy because, you know, Kobe always wanted to guard the best guy. He always wanted to go against the best guy. He always wanted the best guy to guard him. So he just kind of motivated all of us to be, you know, to be that be that dominant guy. He he's He obviously, especially toward the end of his career, became such a family person. And, and you saw him all the time with his daughters. And you're a big family person as well. We see you all the time with your kids and, you know, you're posting about them all that. Did, did his death change your perspective on, on things when it comes to family and kind of making sure you're around them more? Like, does that, does the, it, the non-game part of it, like the human part of it come into it too? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's why, that's when, um, I mean, I, you know, all of us do our family different ways. You know, we all celebrate kind of differently, but, uh, only thing I only thing I know we know Kobe is what it is. This is what he kind of like, you know, said his thing. He said he did everything at work, and uh, you know, so when he go home, he said that he, he is nothing but a, a family man, a, a father and a husband. So that's why I try to live my life as you know. So uh, I try to get everything I could do done at work, so I don't have to come home and just do it at the house, and, and you know, because you know that's family time. So I'll probably do take a little like ten to fifteen minutes just to go over something. But other than that, like I'm trying to when I come home. Football is not on my mind. I don't think about it. Uh, shoot, I just chill, hang with the kids, hang with the wife, and um, whatever we got to do, we just do it, have fun. So that's why I took a took from him, from definitely from the family aspect of uh, uh just being like a, a, a parent and a husband and uh and all that. So um, cause um at first I was just coming home, watch film from after work when I just got done watching it, and uh you know taking the time for my kids and stuff. So I just took it as a different approach, like man. Work is work, family is family. When I step in the house, it's no, it's nothing about work no more. I wait to work till I get up in the morning. Uh, so has that to kind of go back to what we were talking about at the top? The fact that like you know you try to separate those lives. Obviously, your kids are you know some of your kids are old enough now to read stuff, to hear stuff. Your wife obviously hears a ton of stuff. How do you explain kind of the hey, are we going to still be here? Or are we not going to be here with them? <laughs> Yeah, so I just you know I, my you know my son most likely probably tell him at school or something like just dad getting traded out of that. So uh, uh, I just tell you know I tell my kids like that. That's the last thing we need to worry about. What my job is doing, you know we um cause we like I said we're gonna be um gonna get ourselves set anyway. We're gonna get to build our home and um in Houston and um so it's not really matter where I be at. So uh, if I'm here, I'm here. I'm not, I'm not. So uh, we will be, we will be in Houston most for the most part. Is just living. So uh, we know we already got that situated. We know what this can happen. My son plays video games well enough to know what's going on. He trades a lot of people on his team, so he knows it could go. Old. So uh, so we it'll be all good. We already prepared for whatever happens, you know. So uh, you know, but like I said, we always love to be here in the Detroit man. Finish my career, but you know, if it don't, we we on to the next road. We ready.
So did you have to sit him down and, t- and actually talk to him about it? Or did he come to you and say, hey, like, what's up with this? Like, or, th- or did he even try to, did he try to trade you for like a second round or a first round pick on that? <laughs> uh, I, it wouldn't have to be, it wouldn't really no set down. It's just mostly just like, hey, uh, I sat down with the wife mostly because, you know, just set, preparing her for what can happen, you know, because like I said, we're in the middle of the year right now. You can't just up and pack kids up and move them now to the house or nothing like that to the new house because they in the middle of school. So, you know, we just had I talk about that. But the kids, we just kind of just told them, like, you know, it's a possible chance, you know, we we won't we won't be here next year. Our plan won't not to be here next year anyway, as in, like, uh, moving-wise because we're going to build the house and we're going to go live there in the house. But other than it's just uh, team-wise, um, you know, we just told them it's a possible chance of us just, like, you know, being on another team. So wait, just to be clear, so are you, so the family's moving to Houston soon then? Any, yeah, yeah, yeah. Any, like in, yeah, we go have a we get ready to, when we get done with our crib and all that kind of stuff. We go automatically just you know, that's where we go. That's where we go live at. You know, we not they go all not gonna be wherever I'm at. You know, they come home when uh you know spring breaks or whatever games or whatever. But we finna get ready to build our house, and you know, so that's a big house to go build. Somebody gotta be in there. We can't waste it. <laughs> <laughs> Have, did you tell because that's that's basically what Glover did towards the end of his career yeah. as well. Like, did right. you have did you have conversations with him about that too? And he's obviously in Houston. Did did you talk to him about that of like being away from the family? Yeah, and, yeah. he told me about it. You know, he said, he, but they came up to a lot of all the home games and stuff. So he got to see him enough, and he know he go home with all all the breaks. So, but yeah, he you know he talked it up a lot. You know, as one of my biggest biggest uh, role models too. So you know, we one of my best friends. Um, so he, anything I got him, he just tell me he keep it straight 100 with me. So, uh, uh, yeah, so we are, he don't prepare me for stuff like that. Um, seeing him deal with it, I see how he handled it. It was good and smooth, man. His, his wife, his kids was coming up every other weekend. You know, they come up all Christmas break, spring break. You know, we got eight home games. So they go eight times, you know, you go see him then. Uh, so, you know, definitely is a game close by them. They go fly to the closest game to him. So it was, it was smooth. You know, it's not going to be a, you know, it's not going to be a bad, bad transition, but, uh, there's always a way to work it out. Do you think that'll happen for this coming season, wherever you are, or is this like another year down the road? Uh, whatever I am. So we go, like I said, whenever our house get done. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I just wasn't sure how close it was done. Yeah, it ain't, it's not that close, but it'll okay. get done by the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. What uh, I guess that kind of leads to this is how much longer do you actually want to play? I know you you've talked about it a little <laughs> bit before, but do you want to play? Three more years, five more years, nine more years. Yeah, I can see myself doing about five more years easily. You know, easily, I can see it. You know, what I'm saying, how will my body shape up? However, it happens, you know, my body in good condition, I can still do it as I do it at a high level. Um, I'm gonna continue to play. So, um, you know, the Lord blessed me enough to to see 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. How many of you blessed me to see? I'm going to look forward to it, and I'm going to make sure I get my maximum effort in each one of them years I'm playing. And just lastly, what should people know about Darius Slay that they don't? I mean, a lot of folks, you know, because I'm very open. Uh, all, all the fans need to know. A lot of people that need to know is that uh, Slay, uh, Slay loves the fans, man. Uh, Slay is a genuine lover dude, man. He is a humble guy. Uh, so uh, everybody pretty much know me because I'm, I'm my characteristics and how, and how I am as a person. It kind of express who I am as uh, without me knowing me. Some people probably can't guess what type of guy I am just listening to me talk and um and do and whatever. I'm a very open guy, you know. I, I like to. I'm a very outspoken, um, you know. So it's not even a you know, 
it's kind of just there. You can just really easily just read what it is when we just listen to me talk and and watching me interact with folks or watching me doing whatever I do. What's the weirdest interaction you've or craziest interaction you've had? Uh, I really had no crazy ones because, you know, a lot of folks just come and just have fun because, you know, I probably get a lot of crazy ones if I was stuck up, but I'm not stuck up. You know, if I was a rude person that say, no, nah, I don't want to do this, da, 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 some people might have a lot of negative things to say and I probably have a lot of stuff to say to them. So <laughs> a lot of the, the fact that um, that I'm probably a, a open guy and nice guy and chill, I don't really have too many crazy altercations. Only thing that'd be crazy now, a lot of kids just want me to sign shoes. They'd be coming right off their foot. They'd be kind of stinky. <laughs> oh, I know. I remember. I remember that. In November, yeah. I remember that when I was with you at uh, at the high school. You just like that happened like ten times. Yeah, the kid was just breaking, taking off a shoe. I'm like, y'all just all right now. Y'all getting out of the hand without your shoes. Y'all shoes kind of stink. <laughs> <laughs> so, but other than that, that's the only. That's the worst thing that happened. That's the worst one I'd have had. <laughs> hey, Darius, man, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it, and. uh Obviously, good luck with all the trade with all the trade conversations, and I'm sure we'll be talking again soon. Okay, cool. Come on down to Regents Field, Ann Arbor's true sports bar at 204 South Main Street in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Check out some of the food specials, including some gluten-free options and drink specials as well. You can also play skee-ball for free along with darts and even trivia on Monday nights. For more information, check out Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Regents Field. Now, back to our show. So that was the Darius Slay interview. Thanks a lot to Darius for coming on the show, for being so open. And just as an added note, he's always been very good to me and to the rest of the Detroit media. Really throughout his entire career, he's always willing to talk, open, very colorful, very, very honest. And I think that came through in the interview. And it's generally at least a peek into what we get as reporters on a week-to-week basis from one of the top cornerbacks in the NFL. So as I mentioned at the top of the show, we're getting a little bit into the combine, into some of the other moves that the Lions have made. And first with the combine, and we'll have a bigger preview on Thursday, but when you're watching workouts this year, you're going to actually start seeing them later in the day. They start on Thursday night, which likely means more people will potentially watch drills throughout the late afternoon and early evening. Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia are scheduled to talk back-to-back around lunchtime on Tuesday, and they'll have some questions to answer about Snacks Harrison, Danny Danny Amendola, Matthew Stafford, and our guest from a few minutes ago, Darius Slay, along with many, many more topics. Then there's the prospects of the Combine, and with the number three overall pick, the Lions are going to be a focal point throughout the week. How much attention do they pay to Tua Tagliavoa? What are Tua's medical records like? They're going to clearly be open to trade talks, at least for the number three pick, likely won't happen at the Combine, but there is Darius Slay conversation, and that's going to be something to watch as well. How many prospects do they pay attention to? Which prospects do they pay more attention to? They're going to probably parse Jeffrey Okuda, Isaiah Simmons, Derek Brown, and Javon Kinlaw, maybe even more, even though they probably won't be all that open about it, but this is where they can really get those final, final evaluations started Although most of the scouting of those players is already done, 
And is it possible that Chase Young falls to number three and then it becomes a no-brainer for Detroit? Players will rise and fall throughout the week and after it. And we'll get that into that, like I said, more into Thursday's show just before the workouts start. But it's going to be a heavy, heavy week in the scouting world, which brings me to something else. On Monday, I have a story coming out on ESPN.com that I think you'll enjoy about the life of a scout. I spent some time with Lions Director of College Scouting Dave Sears in Mobile, Alabama during the Senior Bowl. We watched a practice together and talked throughout it about his career and the intricacies of traveling around the country searching for the next big thing in the NFL, which he's done for over two decades. It sounds like a cool job, except then you hear about the hours and the travel and the monotony. Multiple people described being a scout to me as an quote-unquote isolating job. You have to be comfortable really being on your own and self-starting as you crisscross the country. Dave and I talked a lot about what he's looking for as a scout and when you're trying to make recommendations for the front office during presentations and how they rank prospects. One of the things that he said to me, and it's a fun story, like I said, on ESPN.com that I really hope you check out, stood out. And here's a quote from Dave about it. Quote, when you're watching for a scout, you're looking at athletic ability. I don't want to get too much into technique and stuff like that because that's not my job. I need to figure out if the guy can do it physically and if I determine he can do it physically. It's somebody else's job to get him to do it physically. I need to determine if he can to say yay or nay, this guy can play at this level because he has this requisite skill set. Once that happens, the rest is, and this is me saying this, the rest is up to a coaching staff and to the player. So this thought has come from decades of watching prospects, from seeing Champ Banley, one of the best corners he's ever scouted, and as Darius Slay talked about, one of the guys he looked up to the most as a kid. He scouted Champ Bailey early on in his career, that's Dave Sears, and then he had to remind himself not to compare every corner to Champ Bailey because it would skew every evaluation after. Talked about how he focuses on one position or player during every rep of practice instead of just watching the whole field because so much happens during a play that you're going to not be able to fully evaluate everyone if you do, and you probably won't have as good of an evaluation. How he learned from some of his biggest misses, including Namdi Ashamewa early in his career, and how that made him look at prospects in a broader way when it comes to their skill set and to think of players in multiple positions and roles. Plus, in the story, we get into some personal details of being a scout that I think humanize a job often seeming so anonymous to so many. Hopefully, you'll enjoy it when it comes out on ESPN.com. While much of the world is going to be focused on college prospects and scouting throughout the next few days, the Lions did make some moves with current players over the last week or so as well. They released Snacks Harrison and they re-signed Danny Amendola. Both moves make sense to me. Harrison didn't play at the same level he did in 2018 last year, and he openly contemplated retirement. And there's an old saying in the NFL that once you're thinking about retirement, you're retired. So even if Harrison plays somewhere else in 2020, which is entirely possible, I would have concerns about Snacks' level of play in 2020 based off of what we saw in 2019, both due to level of play and to injury. And if I'm the Lions, I wouldn't want to pay him $9.25 million in cash and a and an $11.75 million cap it in 2020 for the hope he regains his form. Considering how much Harrison pushed for a new contract last offseason, it's not likely he would have taken a pay cut. Plus, the Lions will save $6.75 million in cap space 
from releasing Harrison, which could be used to find his replacement, whether that's in free agency or in the draft. Obviously, they won't need that money for the draft, but they could maybe sign someone in free agency or sign another position. Or maybe they even look to bring back Mike Daniels, who, again, they had last year. They took a chance on. He suffered injury after injury, but he clearly wants to play. He said he wants to come back to the Lions if possible. So perhaps they get him at a cheaper rate and maybe some of that Snacks Harrison money could go there. Detroit has to rebuild its defensive line now with Deshaun Hand, Kevin Strong, and John Atkins, the top three defensive tackles under contract at the moment. And Hand isn't even really a pure tackle. He's more of an inside-outside guy. That's not a formidable group. Formidable group. So a combination of free agency and draft moves should be in store for the Lions' defensive interior. It's become one of, if not Detroit's biggest need. Then there's Amendola, another move that was somewhat expected as long as Amendola wanted to return. He is a team leader, a strong locker room presence, and a clear favorite of Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn. He also fit in well with Detroit's offense under Daryl Bevel, having one of his best years of his career, and that mostly came as a number three and sometimes number two receiver once Marvin Jones got hurt. He's a good complement to Kenny Galladay and to Marvin Jones, and he'll fight for extra yards. He also brings that locker room presence that the Lions really, really need, and that's really key. Really, really key. We haven't seen his contract numbers yet, at least as of Sunday afternoon when we're recording this, but it wouldn't be shocking for it to be similar to last year's $4.25 billion deal. Can't imagine it'll be much more than that, considering Amendola is 34 years old, but perhaps it's a deal laden with even more incentives and roster bonuses than his deal last year is something Quinn has been willing to do in the past with contracts, and that could make Dan Amendola more money if he plays up to his level in the past. So if Amendola can play at or close to the level he played last season, along with a healthy Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones and TJ Hawkinson, Detroit could have one of the better passing offenses in the league with Matthew Stafford at quarterback. Of course, all dependent on health. The main question about Amendola's return was going to be all about Amendola, whether he wanted to go to more of a clear-cut contender and maybe even reunite with Tom Brady, wherever Tom Brady goes. But instead, he chose to come back to Detroit and try to help build a winner with the Lions and with people he's familiar with in Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia. The other benefit of Amendola is mentorship. His work ethic is intense. He's an incredibly smart, passionate football player. So if the Lions bring in a young receiver in the draft or as an undrafted free agent, which they frankly probably should do, he could be a mentor there as well. And that's important considering at the moment, Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, Marvin Hall, and Amendola are all entering the final years of their contract. Now, I would anticipate that Kenny Galladay ends up getting extended. He's one of the most valuable players the Lions have, and maybe they even extend Marvin Jones as well. But right now, your top four receivers could all not be on the roster conceivably in 2021. So Amendola can have an impact on a potential receiver placement for himself on the back end of his career, and he can also potentially groom someone to maybe replace another receiver down the road. That matters, and it helps, and you've seen it over and over again. Again, if you listen to the Darius Slay interview, Rasheen Mathis did that for him toward the end of Rasheen Mathis' career, and it proved invaluable for Darius Slay. The Lions are likely to bring back a few more of their own free agents, and they're going to be going after players from other teams as well, and we're going to get to that in 
the next couple of weeks on this podcast as things start to shake out. But those two moves, releasing Snacks Harrison and re-signing Danny Amendola, definitely signaled to me the start of what could be to come in Detroit. Thanks, as always, to Blue Wire and Regents Field for hosting this podcast and to my producers, Stephen Arkinall and David Woodley for putting all of it together. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Rothstein, on Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist, and you can follow the Michael Rothstein Show as a Facebook group at the Michael Rothstein Show. You can follow my guest tonight, Darius Slay, on Twitter at underscore Big Play Slay. 23 and that's on twitter you can do that there you can follow him on instagram at big play slay 23 and you should probably do that because as he said he hosts giveaways he hosts camps so if you're in the local area you can maybe catch that on twitter and see him there he's very active on twitter will interact with fans all the time and he's actually a pretty entertaining follow as far as the show You could drop a five-star rating and maybe give us a review and definitely subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, really anywhere at this point that you listen to your podcasts. We are there at the Michael Rothstein Show. Let us know what you think. Let us know who you want to hear from as we continue to bring on guests and have them chat about their lives and about their time with the Lions, if they were with the Lions or just sports in general or writing in general. Uh, and we've got some fun guests lined up here in the future. Obviously, we had Darius on today. And with that, we will chat with you on Thursday.